0: Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. So glad you joined us today. I'm Tracy. And I am Leslie today. <laughs> I'm not committed you, to that beyond today. You were Leslie last week. <laughs> True that. Threw and that. the week before. True that. And for several <laughs> decades before that. I know. I just want to keep my options open in the future. That's right. Principle knows no precedent. (laughs) Principle is not bound Bound by by precedent. precedent. So you could completely change. (laughs) Exactly, right? So if this is your first time joining us on Say Yes to Spirit, you already have a taste of what's in store for you. In other words, just hang with us. Spontaneity. Yes. Every week on Say Yes to Spirit, we have a theme to hopefully focus our conversation in some way, and this week our theme is work relationships. It's part of a series where we are looking at all kinds of relationships other than a romantic or um, romantic and primary relationship, because we have found when usually when we say relationships, people immediately go to the partner, or the spouse, or the dating, or the soulmate, and forget that we actually are in relationship yes. with people all kinds of ways, all the time. And you know, another thing that I love about the show is the constant kind of redirecting my thinking towards how to saying yes to spirit change that topic, whatever the topic is, and I, and I really believe. Um, Thinking back over past work relationships and then, uh, you know, really understanding how not saying yes to spirit affected those relationships. So I'm really interested in this topic. But look at me, I'm just jumping ahead over my favorite part. My favorite part, Tracy Brown, is ding, 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 (laughs) ding, connect the dots. See, know, that could be the same song. You could do the ding 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 <laughs> ding 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 I, ding, I ding, don't ding. like that actually. Low tech. music. <laughs> you Very exactly right. It's really like right up my that would be perfect for me because I'm a low tech kind of girl. So. Ding 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 <laughs> ding ding ding. <laughs> 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 okay, so we'll connected that between our most recent show and uh today's theme and so last time we talked about Family relationships. Mm. I mean, your connected dots is going to be so easy this all month, right? For these, this, this series. Okay, so what's the connection, Leslie, between family relationships, work relationships, and saying yes to spirit? And saying, oh, I have to connected to saying yes to spirit as well. Ooh, a twist. Well, yeah, you oh. do that. <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm thinking back over my. We talked last week about family of choice. And several of my family of choice people that have um, been in my life for a number of years were work relationships, uh-huh. people that I work with, a woman that I'm very connected to, to now, um, that I've known for over 17 years. I met her through the Chamber of Commerce, the old Cliff Chamber of Commerce, through a work situation. And so I I do get very connected to my Perhaps as we go forward in this hour, we'll discover that Leslie gets too involved in her work relationships. I'm not certain that's possible, but um, I think that I have certainly made many of my work environments a family kind of experience for myself. I, I tend to spend a lot of time wherever I work, and so the people become really significant to me, and I think, interestingly enough, Boundaries have been crossed in terms of, you know, to make them more familial, and it, it probably some reasons we might discover as we talk about work relationships, why they're not our family. <laughs> and why yes. we shouldn't let them substitute or become our family. Maybe, uh, yeah, there is that. Yeah, yeah. So that's my connect the dots. ding, ding. Ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Very good. Okay, so we're going to take a quick break here, and then we will come back um Say Yes to Spirit and talk about work relationships. Say yes to spirit, so glad you've joined us today, and our theme is work relationships. What does saying yes to spirit have to do with the relationships we have with our coworkers, our customers, people who we work on projects with, people who we are we are accomplishing tasks and goals with, or in our relationships with our, the people we work with? you know, how does saying yes to spirit help us deal with whatever comes up? So... You know, thinking back to my most functional work relationship, I do have one of those that I can recall. I love it. One. Just one, that It was a treatment center down in Waxahachie, and I was a program director for an adolescent psychiatric chemical dependency treatment center. And we had a staff of about 75 people. And, um, and We would always have morning meetings. And so, since I was like the big boss, I got to say everything that I wanted to do and I, at the time, had never really thought about this, but I just knew in my heart that I wanted to start the meetings and start it with prayer, because that would be wrong in terms of, you know, workplace kind of thing, with a moment of silence and if anybody had anything going on that they needed support with within the staff that day, like, you know, I had a fight with my husband, so y'all be nice to me, or my mom just, you know, kicked me out of the house, or whatever it was. You know, they could just share a little 30-second, whatever's going on with them, so we could support them. And and it was a sacred moment that mm-hmm. we began that workplace day with, even though it wasn't a prayer, and we didn't, you know, really language it that way. But that was the most functional workplace, and I found that the people... You know, and i and that actually is probably where I think we had the least boundaries, you know, because we didn't know everything that was going on and and so maybe there's some good and bad in that, but we never saw the bad of it. We just really were a very close knit and it was a very high stress job working with adolescents that were struggling as they were, but we always had a buoyancy to us is that the right word we were kind of but we were you know we were always up as a staff as a team, there was a connectedness about us and I've always thought it was because we had that, you know, that time we set aside first thing to just sit in silence with each other and then be supportive. And I've never been the big boss since then, so I haven't been able to, you know, test that theory.
1: <laughs> but I'm uh, saying
0: it was a quiet time in uh, the beginning. In some ways, um, you have to have the chance to test the theory because no other workplace has had that. True that. And no other workplace has resulted in that experience right? and had that kind of really functioning again and that kind of stressful and certainly working in the treatment centers in that kind of environment and usually, you know, the staff is, is so stressed they don't, their own issues, you know, get too much involved in the workplace and then it, it affects the treatment for the patients and that place we really did fabulous work and I think, you know, in a strange way that kind of set a precedent for me in my personal life Having that morning meditation or having that morning time and just my own daily practice of making certain I set aside that whether it be five minutes or 30 minutes or two minutes but I stop and have a conscious contact with God in the morning before I start my day, before I start my work day. It's really, really a powerful personal practice for years and years. Yeah, you know what I was thinking about is how often in places I've worked and, you know, and just from talking to other people about where they work and how it is, we do a couple of things culturally. We often tell people, you know, leave whatever is happening outside of work outside of work. Oh, right. As if if people can separate. You know, their real life and their work life. Uh You know, you had a fight with your spouse or partner, you know, come to work and pretend that didn't happen. Right. You know, so I, I, I think it's interesting to me that we talk about and we think in theory that's a good thing, but at the same time when we talk about spirituality or religion, we say that's who you are and you are that 24-7. Right. So it's like a real conflict, a real conflicting message that if whatever your spiritual beliefs are, whatever your religious practices are, that you're supposed to check them at the door. Oh, that's interesting. So even as I and then even as I say that, I also think it could be really crazy in the workplace. <laughs> if everybody, you know, is trying to. Everyone is bringing their values with them. That could be a very popular right. thing. But if I am part of an active person in a religion which encourages not just evangelism but tells you you have a requirement to convert. People. Oh, right, right, right. I guess that would create a tiny bit of a challenge. <laughs> a line in the workplace? You know, either every coworker you need or every customer who mm-hmm, comes in mm-hmm. if you work, you know, in a retail environment or, or even not, just any kind of environment where your customers, you know. So, <laughs> I, I imagine there is an appropriate line to um, draw, but it just strikes me as, I guess because in our culture, we tend to be 100% or, or 0%. We're very black and white. See, yeah, I'm not the only one. And I, you know, and I forget that because that's not my You're natural very way of being right, uh-huh. So I guess, you know, yeah, we say it's A or B, and we don't want the consequences of it being 100%. Religious or spiritual, so we just say nope, none. Don't it's talk about it. Muted. Don't let us know. Don't wear symbols of your faith. Don't post anything. Don't you know? Uh huh. Like no, 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 no. And you know, you, you you have the interesting phrase of the bring the values. hmm. And I um. I do look at that in terms of. I don't know if this will become a shock, but I'm, I'm fairly sensitive, yeah. And, you know, if if someone in the workplace would, you know, look at me the wrong way or perhaps, you know, go out for lunch and not invite me or, you know, little things like that that I might perhaps notice and might perhaps think they hated me because of that, then, you know, I would, I could get into that human oh my gosh, you know, they don't like me or I'm not valued or, you know, I'm, I you know I don't have any worthiness because they went to lunch and they didn't ask me, which only happened 17 times, you know, not that I count not But, uh, you know, I think that taking my spirituality into the workplace, and I don't know why that word keeps coming back to me, but it, you know, it gives me a bit of a bounce. It gives me, a, you know, some self-esteem. It gives me some assurance of the truth of who I am. And if Sally and Fred go off to lunch, well, you know, I hope they have a great lunch. And either they, you know, a, maybe they didn't want me to go to lunch with them and that's okay. You know, that doesn't affect the truth of who I am. And so if I can manage to remember the truth of who I am throughout my day, then that, I think, just not only makes me a better employee, but also makes it more user friendly to for me for the day. I mean, if I if I remember the truth of who I am, if I bring my spiritual program or my spiritual practice or my spiritual knowledge into my workplace, then it, it, it makes my work day better, I think. And if we're bringing the values, you know, almost every organized quote-unquote religion has a primary Principle, key principles, key guidelines that relates to something similar to the golden rule. Oh, yes. you know, Treat people the way you would want to be treated, or you know, don't judge others mm-hmm. unless you have actually lived their life, or be kind to others so that people others will be kind to you. You know, kind of. Yes. There are you know, a couple of years ago when I was facilitating a series about about love, it was really interesting because I came across you know this research that actually had the quotation that you know the quotation of the scripture or the primary text that is used by different religions different spiritual practices and um and I was just fascinated by how they were all a little bit different, but they all basically came back to, don't do things to other people that you would not want done. Right. To do a, your family or your, yeah. you know, loved ones. And so, in that sense, bringing the values forth seems to be a really, really logical connect with the workplace, both for our coworkers and for our customers. You know, it's so funny, when you said, Bill, when the topic came up of work relationships, and you said that in the intro, and then you said something about customers, I'm like, my customers aren't my work relationships. <laughs> I don't consider that or work relationships. I consider the staff, you know, employees, fellow peers, my boss, people that work with me. Um, but I never considered clients, customers. Patients in my case, I work in psych hospitals.
1: But right now, you have, work.
0: You work clients, prisoners. You have well, and you have clients and therapy th- clothes. or prisoners where the jail that I work. Well, for. both. Yeah, but you're they are people you have relationships with. That's so I funny! I never thought about that. that you do. Yeah. I just never had considered that a work relationship to the end user, so to speak, of the experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so even if you don't have direct contact with them, uh, even though I think for our conversation, if we're talking about the relationships you have, it's probably direct contact. Um, but yeah, even if you don't, in theory, your interactions with your coworkers is all about creating or maintaining a product or service for that customer. Right? That's very true. But, yeah, for relationships, I think we can look at that one-on-one. And, you know, last week when we said we were going to talk about this, you made a comment, Leslie, about, um, oh, I don't have any work, you know, I I volunteer a lot. And so, that Uh really triggered for me the reminder that even when we are volunteering, Uh The people who are part of the team that we are volunteering with, right? we are volunteering to get some work done. It's completely <laughs> Good point. And the relationships we have with them are exactly the same as the relationships that we would be having with someone we were getting paid to work with or next to or report to. That's so interesting. So it would even be like committee members or different, you know. If mm-hmm. yeah. I on the uh, board of directors for not oh, local nonprofit. Right, right, right. You know, I, the relationship I have with the other board members or or with the staff, really it's a work relationship. That's we're committed to mm-hmm. working together to get something done. It's not a social relationship, although right. there might be some people who I've developed personal relationships with, but for the work that we're doing, yes, it's right. not a social relationship. Right, right. It's not a family relationship uh-huh. unless I happen to be volunteering at the church where my mother or father is the pastor, and then <laughs> it's family, <laughs> work, and you know, and social all at the same time. But for most of us, there's a lot of separation between the people we work with and the people we who are our family, and the people we have social relationships with. Although I love what you said earlier about how in that one work environment and everywhere you work uh-huh. there are usually people who then become your fam- part of your family of choice. Yes. You know, it's really interesting because I can think back, you know, I probably in the span of 20 years worked at probably five different treatment centers and we were such good, close connections. You know what, how functional or dysfunctional we were. We really enjoyed each other. I enjoyed going to work. There was a um, there was a sense of people interested in each other's lives, and we knew about each other's lives, and probably just part of the therapeutic work experience. You know, seeped into the professional. You know, we would share probably. Like I said earlier, maybe perhaps too much, we didn't have good boundaries maybe, but they were so close and so intimate and so real, and then once the work went away, because there was a period of time that a lot of hospitals closed in the Texas area, so hospitals closed one right after the other, then the relationships went away. And you know, we always say, we're going to keep in touch. You know we're gonna keep it, and a couple of times we tried like once a quarter a happy hour, you know different kinds of things. But inevitably they all they all faded out. And I I can remember initially the first couple being so saddened, thinking oh my gosh we were so close and now, you know I don't even know Sally. Said, I don't even see her anymore. And and then towards the last. One or two, I thought, oh, we're saying all this, and we're never going to see each other again. <laughs> we're all saying, oh, we'll keep in touch with you. Never <laughs> Yeah, That's like going to your, your 25 year <laughs> anniversary reunion, and everybody's, oh, it's like, I haven't seen you in know, 25 <laughs> years. So it is kind of a you know, novel thing to think about. Oh, we can all stay in touch. But it, yeah, it's like, okay, we all live a busy life. We all already have very full lives, and to say we're going to keep in touch, is like, it's a good idea, but how do you add 15 more people into your life, Uh especially if you're not living in the city, you know, where you went to high school, or where you went to college, and people all over the country. It's like, okay, we can keep in touch on Facebook, you know, where I can sometimes just see what's going on with you. But to say we're going to visit or talk, you know, on a regular basis, it's if not we like... people, you know, we were in the same city. And yeah. I, I just really felt like yeah. it, especially those first two or three. And I, and I, so I guess in a way the workspace made it, you know, gave the relationship a form. Well, yeah, and you're, <laughs> you, you're right, you have, you know you're going to see each other, you're all going to the same place. Right. You know, on a regular schedule. You know, and when every one of you started working somewhere else. Right. Then you're concerned with and focused on that. And when you leave the workplace, you're going home or, you know, spend time with your... New family. That terrible. Now, I think about it, we kind of just replaced each other. New family. You know, what I was thinking when you said it earlier was, you know, and that whole group of people, whenever they think about it, they never recreated that in the other environments because they were all separate. Uh-huh. And all of you probably tell the story any chance <laughs> you get. You know, I used to work with this really great group of people <laughs> and we were like family uh-huh. and I just feel so sad that we don't we weren't able to stay connected. I don't, I, bet, I bet most people did not recreate it because no one person Oh, I see what you're saying can recreate that. So was every I bet everybody tells the story of that group when it was together.
1: But I, wherever I they work now okay. wherever
0: they work now they go to work and they could have a very nice experience. But like when you all were a group, when you all left at the end of the day, you went home to do other things right? With, with your family or with other people. So now it would be, okay, now 10 of you and you work in different places to get together then takes away the time that was already held up by family anyway. Right, the workplace time was well, you had the so opportunity to share, see each other, right. right. And, you know, I think that's a good point if, if you're workplace. I have a precious friend now whose workplace, she, there's a lot of sexual harassment. It's really kind of stunning to hear the level that it's just kind of allowed. And, and I, I don't even really know the industry that she works in, but it's a good old boy system and it's really permeated every day. And I'm fascinated by how that must kind of where because we spend so much time in our workplace what happens when the workplace environment is oppressive or not supportive of our values or we can't be authentic or we can't you know express we're always expressing the truth of who we are but we can't you know we have to be guarded in what we say and do so that we don't give an entry for somebody to then say something crass or and you know that I think is a very difficult thing, because we spend so much time at work. If it's not, if it's not a nurturing environment, how do we feed ourselves throughout the day? Bring, bring the light within us, you know, to the darkness very <laughs> so yeah. little traditional idea there. But yeah, there you go. How do I keep my, my spiritual program going when, you know, people around me don't seem to be having one. Well, let's take a quick little break, and then I think that's a great place to come back because it'll allow us to begin to think about what spiritual practices oh, right. really help us bring spirit with us wherever we go. So we'll take a quick break. Please hang with us, and we will be right back. Thanks for listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Leslie and Tracy. Today our theme is work relationships and it's part of a multi-week series on non-romantic relationships. (laughs) And um, right before the break, this idea or this concept of how do you keep you're like burning when you work in an environment where either people don't believe what you do or, or it's a difficult environment and, and your spirituality is not necessarily supported. And since we always try to talk about some spiritual practices, that might be a good place to do that. What can I do as an individual right, to bring my values forth even though I am not necessarily talking about God at work but how what what are the things I can do that help me maintain my commitment and my demonstration of spiritual maturity you know I can remember I just had a flash of this really just kind of oppressive uh place that I worked where it seemed like everybody just was kind of I don't know, You know, it was a competitive kind of environment and, and people really didn't seem to have any kind of connection at all. And of course, I was running around trying to form connections. <laughs> 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 of course. Trying <laughs> to create a little, you know, something, a thread or something. But, um, and I can remember it was such a hard day for me because I took a little rock and I put it in my pocket and it and I had kind of and I would use it in my meditation and put it on my altar or, you know, sit on the chair. Really that was my altar. <laughs> I shouldn't act like I had some fancy altar because I had a chair. But you know, so I you know, and I had this rock that I would have with me in my morning quiet time. And then I put this rock in my pocket. And I can remember when I would be particularly feeling really like, oh, these people are just evil or you know, and I would feel the need to kinda of lash out at, really funny in a sarcastic way and mean-spirited that I can really enjoy doing sometimes way too much. I would put my hand in my pocket It always worked pants and I would put my hand in my pocket and I would feel that and it would anchor me back to that morning meditation, that morning quiet time, whatever it was. I think at this time I was actually in prostate program so I was reading a daily devotion and just kind of sitting for a few minutes before work. But so it would bring me back to that time and I would think about the reading and I would say oh you know this is no big deal. These people are um, struggling on their own path. And I would find some, some, um, you know, break of the seriousness of it, I guess. Because I can get all caught up in it. and You know, if I don't, if I allow myself to go down that rabbit trail, I can be pretty far down and, you know, this is the end of the earth if, you know, this doesn't happen today. If I don't, you know, bridge this gap. But it would bring me back, trigger me back to some sort of spiritual moment in the morning that will rock. Could you just say "rock in my pocket" again? Rock in my pocket. Why? <laughs> because there's very I the way you said it sounds like I don't know, like uh rock in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound like your normal southern uh, Texas ball well, uh, kind of thing. Mm. It almost sounded like batish uh, or something. Oh, or English or something? When you first said it. But that's my uh, spiritual practice. Uh, yeah, and I don't know if it's really a spiritual practice, but was a spiritual exercise that brought me some peace of mind in, a, in an oppressive, unhealthy work relationship. Yeah, and you know, um, when you mentioned 12-step, the serenity prayer went through my mind. And I think even though the context of the serenity prayer within 12 Steps, you know, is is maybe for a different reason, that would be a really good prayer to kind of have in your back pocket when things happen at work. Oh, because yeah. Because you're, you're not in control of what other people do. You are not in control of policies and procedures that are put into place uh. by people who are supposed to be smarter than you, right, right. but they don't seem to work for you, mm-hmm. and um, so, yeah, the serenity prayer would be um, a great prayer to memorize and use when you're experiencing conflict or, or upset um, or to have print it out on a card in your work area. Oh, that'd be cool. So, so should we say the serenity prayer? In case sure, in case for someone, someone who hasn't has heard it. Then. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I, I can say it. I, I'll, uh, I'll say it the way I used to say it all the time. It's a little, little trick. So, the actual serenity prayer is God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. So that's the actual thing. And I would always say, God, grant me this Trinity to accept the things I cannot change, all those F.O.Bs. Courage to, change. <laughs> Courage to change the things I can, me, myself, and I. And the wisdom to know the difference, which I had just defined. Isn't that cute? Oh, that's yes. Very cute. Very nice like, Yes, very good, very good. Yes, <laughs> I love that. And I'm glad that you uh, distinguish <laughs> between the traditional version <laughs> yes, yes. and the less yes. version. Uh, very cool. So spiritual practices for you, Tracy Brown, you uh you know probably why you said customers, you've worked for yourself for fifteen years for twenty, 20 years and nine months. Wow. So you really haven't had a A job or workplace to go to. No, I have had ten at a time. Customers, right? Well, no, workplaces. Because often what happens, even though, so I'm a consultant and I'm a trainer, and I go in and out of projects and in and out of organizations, but what people often don't realize is, let's say I'm working five active projects, Well, it's not like I just go show up and they cater to me and, and, you know, I do what I do and I leave. Usually, even before I get hired, I have to learn that culture. I've got to interact with a variety of people. There's often either a committee involved in making the selection or, um, you know, there's someone in the organization that has to take it through two or three or five levels of management approval, and as a result of that, it's very much like being a coworker because I have to do a really quick study, not just oh. about what the one person is telling me, but what's going to work in this culture, what's expected, how do they resolve conflict, what do they need, do they, are, is this a culture or a group or a team that needs a lot of data and facts and statistics, or? So so by the time I'm actually hired I usually know quite a bit and then how I respond like um, you know I, I recently worked on a project with a a client, primary client, where setting a time to talk was good because it's a really busy, fast-paced culture and just you know assuming you could call in somebody, the person you needed to talk to would be at his desk. Oh, right. You know, which in this day and age is not all that unusual. But what I also learned was that just because you set a time to meet or call didn't mean that the meeting or the call would happen at that time. Oh, this particular person. Or okay. that particular kind of culture. Also, So okay. it wasn't in that one individual, but it was more a cultural thing. And that would be for so, and for the seven months that I worked with that client, that organization and that client, it's like I'm a coworker. We're working together to achieve this goal. They've hired right. me. I'm an external person. I'm a consultant, but it's like it's like I've been hired for Seven months to work that's there, actually does. and so and that's one project. I'm working on another project and another project, and each one of them has their own culture and their own needs and their own things. So, in that sense, at least for me, it's like it's like they're co-workers and I'm changing jobs every six months. That sounds like schizophrenia, or every three months. It's. It's, what what did Sybil have? Multiple personalities. Right, right, right. right. Because, yeah, if I'm really busy and I'm working with, you know, five, eight, ten different clients, you know, some of them it's an every week thing, some of them it's a go once a month, and some of them it's you're on the phone or doing email three, four, five times a week. (coughs) When I'm really successful, I actually like it when people, I'll go show up to do a a workshop, and people in the workshop, who had nothing to do with me being hired, you know, will say, now how long have you been here? I don't think I've met you before. Because, oh nice, because I'm using the language or the style that's so much a part of their culture, that they think I'm an employee. Yeah, the question I have is, when you were in the environment where people weren't at their desk, the assigned time of the call, did you find yourself becoming that way or did you stay true to your to your kind of organized ethic of, you know, making the call, and leaving the message, or did you find yourself saying, oh, I'll call them, you know, ten minutes when I get through this? Well, call? no, but that that's a different reason. I mean, it didn't drive me crazy that they did that because I have my normal way of being is pretty flexible around time. You know, and obviously if I'm supposed to go do a presentation at 10 a.m., I know there's no flexibility there, but just in general as a person I can, you know, there's some flexibility around time. So it didn't bother me personally, but no, I could not, I could not um, exhibit or demonstrate that same behavior because the reality is I am an external, I am a consultant, and they are paying me. They are the customer. So, right. So, it would be okay for us to have a ten thirty time set and for them not to make it or to oh, call okay. me at 10-25 right. and say, you know, our meeting, our 9 a.m. meeting is running over and so, you know, can we call you in 30 minutes? And, and you know, and there were a couple times early on where I was like, no, because I'm booked, or no, because I'm you know off to do something else. But once that happened a couple of times, I just began to schedule things. If you know, if it's set for 10:30, and I think it's going to be a 45 minute call, 11:15, I won't book anything till 12. Right, you so managed around. So that. I have some leeway that if and when they call or email or send me a text saying, you know, we're running late, or, you know, on our way back to the office, can't quite get there. It's like, okay, no problem. And I wonder if that kind of uh, theme, if I'm in a culture, a work culture that doesn't match my personal work ethic, you know, you said a good point, you know, you're not going to change them. You said because you you they are your customer, but also probably just in general, if you came in as a new employee, you're not going to change this big machine. So how to keep that inner sense of peace or well-being and let that culture be that culture. I guess at right. what point does it become too much to bear for me right. individually? Right, and I think our spiritual practices help us know, and our intuition helps us know either when it crosses the line, yes, you know, or when it's more than I can deal with. And, you know, it's interesting because for me, sometimes I don't know whether it's my spiritual practice kicking in, that I can adapt to something or someone, or if it's my diversity and inclusion oh, yeah. training, understanding that people are different and everybody's not just like me and so I and I shouldn't expect them in fact don't want them to be. Right. But how do I navigate that? And for me my spiritual practice takes me in the same way, takes me to the same place. And, and I'm not always sure whether it's what I know about diversity and inclusion, or whether it's what I know and who I am, as a result of my spiritual practice. But you know, a lot of that, if I'm, if they're my coworkers, you know, I I see the pattern, and I know it's not about me. They're not being late because they don't want to meet with me. They're late all the time. All right. Or um. And if I were an internal, full-time, permanent employee, you know, number one, I'd be caught up in that. You know, the person I'm reporting to. And it's because they're scheduling so much. And that's what my schedule would start looking like. That I'm booked, 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 and I'd be apologizing because this meeting A ran over, then meeting B started late. And then meeting B ran over, and meeting C started late. So you might get caught up in it, even if it's not your personal style. Right. hmm And I wonder, does that have anything to do with, you know, spirituality? But, but I can see how cultures, how the work relationship can take over sometimes, and and mold us or mold me into something that I don't really like. Yeah. I haven't thought about that. And what what I was just thinking about was how with our co-workers and our customers, look at a slightly different thing because our customers are relying on us to provide something to them. But as our co-workers, you know, well, and you know this situation. I mean, I was in a volunteer situation for a while where, My responsibility was to, as a coworker, right? Yes, you know, make plans, work through things, create a team, and I was completely unsuccessful in that. And I had so many opportunities to use spiritual practices, even though I could see what was happening. And I could see where the miscommunication or mismatch was happening, but I was partnering with someone who wouldn't even have a conversation right. about there's two different perspectives here, and let's find a third, let's agree to a third thing that is a combination or a balance between Two different perspectives, or let's involve eight or nine other people and get more perspectives and come up with something. So, I, you know, when I think about coworkers, and you don't get always this opportunity to choose. Oh, never, probably. You know, probably. who you work with, or even if you're the boss and you hire a team of fifteen people you know, a percentage of those 15 people are not going to actually work in the way you thought they would when you hired right, them oh from yeah. an interview. Oh yeah, And so, you know, that, when I had that experience, if I think about spiritual practices, I did affirmative prayer around it. I, um, you know, lots of times, I had an lot of different affirmations at different times. This is going to work out, I mean that wasn't the affirmation, but right. affirmations that, you know, I would sit down and think, okay, well, if this were working out, what would it look like? What would it feel like? And I would use the affirmations. And um, and ultimately, it's it all worked out the way it was supposed to, I'm sure, but it didn't work out in a smooth and pretty and you know, in a great way, but my spiritual practices helped me as much as my whining and complaining helped me. I mean, (laughs) you know, there were times Uh where just to release the tension. Yes. You know, that's a spiritual practice. I mean, to be able to say, I'm going to spend two minutes and just throw up. And, you know, be very angry and be very disappointed and be very whatever. Yes. They went to lunch and didn't invite me. Did I talk about that earlier? Okay. (laughs) Times. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. Just fine. put that out again. Yeah. So we need to have some time to kind of, you know, let that go. But then we do, I think, have to come back to our own sense of spirit. Right. The question I always, I remember, I kept asking myself was, who do I want to be in this? Ooh, I like that. You know, even... Who do I want to be? Who who do I want to be? Who am I in the world? Who am I in God? Not a better or worse man, who who do I want to be and how do I want to show up? I want to walk in the integrity of knowing that I keep saying I'm willing to have this conversation. I'm willing to compromise Right. But in order to compromise, we have to have the conversation. <laughs> right. It's not an all or nothing. It's not a my way or the highway. It's a let's talk. And, and for me, it was that's what kept me going back there, the spiritual practice of saying, okay, this is frustrating as hell to me as a human being, uh-huh. but I am a spiritual being. And in that context, there's no mm-hmm. more room for judgment. Right. You know, so I would do a lot of judgment in the mm-hmm. human form, and then I would, you know, meditate or breathe or pray or whatever, and I would be like, okay, as a spiritual being, there's no place for judgment, mm-hmm. and there's no only one way. There's mm-hmm. an unlimited number of ways to resolve this issue, to resolve this conflict, to um, have a new experience, to grow, all of those things. And so, that's who I really am. Right. So, who do I want to be? I want to be guided by the spiritual being. And then I go, you know, go like, okay, okay, put me back in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Come on, Cole, let's put me back yeah. in. Yeah, I like that. You know, and... I think that's how we use our spiritual practices with when things are tense. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And so this, so the idea just went to my mind. I wonder what you'll say about this. So, how do we use our spiritual practices or our connection to spirit, or saying yes to spirit when things are great? Oh. Do we need spirit when things are great? Oh, okay. yes. Do not even go there. <laughs> Things are great. So I guess we stay in gratitude. We stay in awareness. What do we do, Tracy Brown? Oh, Tracy Brown? I don't know. I guess we stay in gratitude. Stay in we gratitude? stay in awareness of the presence that is always available to us, that is always present. Always. And we recognize it. And I think back to that environment when we had that quiet time in the morning meeting every morning, we did have a sense of, um, I don't say awe, it's too big of a word. But we had a sense of reverence. We, had, we knew that we were doing something of value with our workplace because of where we worked, but we also knew that we had a connection that was not, you know, your everyday kind of work, place connection. So, I do think we valued it. We 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 honored it, mm-hmm. so whether you're grateful for it or you honor it when it's going well, acknowledge it, you know, affirm. I'll take more, please. Yes, thank you, and yes. more. More please. Yes, more. Yes, more. Yeah, that just went through my mind because, yes, yeah, when we do think, and you know, you know, and some of our listeners know, One of my pet peeves is people spelling God (laughs) 911. You know, the 911 God that I only think about calling on God or going to prayer or doing meditation or, or calling a practitioner or asking somebody to pray for me when things are messed up and I need help, I need you to fix it. And then, you know, all the rest of the time, it's like, oh, I'm doing just fine. I don't need any help or support or guidance. You know, it is interesting. I remember a sponsor in 12 Steps um, telling me that you, you always know how a person's spiritual program was by watching their reaction when something really, you know, didn't go their way. And she said that every time you Uh, meditated, every time you said a prayer, every time you read a thoughtful book, every time you had a meaningful conversation with someone about 12 steps or about God. It's like putting uh, money in an emotional bank or a spiritual bank. You would Mm put in a deposit Mm -hmm. and so then when you lost your job or you were in a traffic jam or you know, relationship didn't go well or something happened, you would see how much spirit you had deposited in that bank by the reaction or the response of what happened. And I I wonder there could be something to be said about that in terms of if I have a not a fabulous work environment, you know, how do I put things in my spiritual bank before I get there so that I have a reserve and I don't walk in the door depleted looking for that place to give me something. That's bitter and angry. I love that uh, image that is now in my head um, about spiritual practices being deposits mm-hmm. into an emotional and spiritual bank. Um, and it's not the first time I've heard it, but right. it's like, oh yeah, that image it always comes through so clearly when we talk about that. And Surely, if there's any place that requires you to make deposits, mm-hmm. I mean, to make withdrawals uh-huh. from your balance, uh-huh. you know, it's so much that happens in the workplace because it is so much out of your control. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, um, even being self-employed for almost 21 years, there's still a lot, There's a, you know, there are a lot of things that are in my control. But there's still so much that's not. Right. And um, and so it is that, yeah, I, I, I'm withdrawing a little bit here and a little bit there, and then sometimes really huge <laughs> withdrawals. And then you have to retreat to start putting something back in. Right. And if you don't replenish it, you go bankrupt. Yeah. Spiritually bankrupt. They talk about that. Trust that program. Yeah, so it's like, wow, that's, that is really, really good thing to think about from the perspective of our listeners, you know, to keep that in mind as a way to frame why you do your spiritual practices, no matter what they are, because there are so right. many ways that you can have spiritual practice. It may not be formal meditation, it may not be formal prayer, um, so whatever you're doing, you're adding to your reserve, you're adding to your savings account. Right, right. More right so, so than a checking account. Huh. A savings account. Well, cool. Anything else come up with work, work relationships for you? We've got about um, two more minutes in the show today. Two more minutes to talk about work relationships. You know, I, I Found myself. I do do some work now at the Dallas County Jail, and I am around uh, officers who are very different personalities than I have. Can you imagine? They have a, a rather uh, black and white, but in a rigid kind of military kind of thing. My black and white is somewhat different black and white, but. Uh, So, we're very much oil and water sometimes, and they are the boss, because they are the bottom line, you know, we have to go with them. And I had this one particular officer who I just, oh my goodness, I just thought she was just almost evil, you know, she was just so by the book, and she just, you know, would never laugh, and would never, you know, make eye contact with me, and I just, oh, and I was just dread, and I spent half my days talking about how awful she was, (laughs) And uh, somewhere, somebody, I don't even recall who it was, uh, well, she was out for a period of time. And some, I, one of the other officers said, well, you know, Sally Sue, we be back next week. And she had her double mastectomy. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And so, when she came back to work, I actually wrote a note. Because, you know, I had been my lovely, sarcastic, you know, little knife in your back while I'm walking away kind of person that I can be when I feel like I've been stepped on. So, I knew she knew that I didn't care much for her. And so, I wrote her a note and I explained that I had not really seen her as a person, that I had seen her behavior and that I had made judgment on that and that I really overlooked A, that she was A, just doing her job really at the end of the day And B, I didn't even consider anything that might be going on in her life or her world that she might be struggling with. And I said, you know, I hear now this just happened and you're coming back to work and I want to make amends. And I just feel terrible. And this woman got out from when I gave her the card and then I went off and taught my class and I came back downstairs. She got up from her desk where she would never move from, walked around the desk and gave me a hug and started to cry. And I started to cry. And we were all, you know, and it was just such an eye-opening experience to remember, I mean, all I was doing was judging her. And, yeah. I, you know, and I had put her in this category. And I didn't even stop to think what's going on in her world. And and then when I found out, I had a choice, right? I could have just gotten embarrassed and gone off that. You know, I, you know, said, here's what I've been doing and I feel badly about it now. And then she was big enough to forgive me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was a, that was a spiritual experience in the workplace it's so i I remember that so often now when I think about people that i you know their behavior's upsetting to me. Well, I don't know the whole picture, yeah, what a great way to wind down today's show, talking about work relationships because that is so true that we make up a story about right. other people. But when we allow our spiritual values and our spiritual lessons to guide our actions, we can build bridges instead of walls. You know, you're saying, I love that, yeah. yeah. So, very cool. Well, that is just about all the time we have for today's show. So, so glad that you joined us if you're listening live or if you're listening to a recording. And we hope that you will um, look for our schedule and join us again next week or at your next available opportunity. But in the meantime, say, say yes to yes your spirit. spirit.